God is in this place today, and I'm honored to be here, to stand before you today. I want you to look at somebody today and just look, look at them and tell them, you look good today. Now, now look, at the, look at somebody else next to you and tell them, I look good today. Now, now, if they don't believe you, tell them they told me so. primary reason that I am here today is because my dear friend his mother passed went on to another plane of existence and life death is not the conclusion of life death is a part of life we as children of God and as citizens of the kingdom, we understand this. However, with that being said, it does not necessarily make it simpler. Because we still miss the hand we hold. We still miss the voice. We still miss the hug. We still miss the personality and, and those things because we don't physically have them. Though we still have Mother Malcolm with us. Because you, you, you know. Something will go on and you'll hear, you'll hear your grandmother's words in your ear. You still have her with you, but it's different now. And I am here, traveled across the big pond to come simply just to be here for my friend. I had spoke with the great bishop and before Mother Malcolm passed, and he said, it may be any time, we don't know. And then he saw it on social media, and then he called me and, and told me, I said, just tell me when, and I'll be there. I informed my team back home, my family. That day, I spoke to him. I said, I don't know when, but I'm leaving. And when he gave me the word, I booked the flight and told him I'm coming. Part of the privilege of being here for the Malcolm family is I get to be with you. Now, you may not realize it or not because many of you in here don't know me. And, and I understand that and I, and, and I get that and I appreciate that. But I was here before you. This is my house. So I'm just going to do my thing today. To give you a little history, your great Bishop Malcolm, the man you see and admire and look at, 17 years old, went to Jamaica to his family and heard a, he, he, he met a gentleman that was in our church. He was an elder in our church, and that gentleman gave Bishop Malcolm a cassette tape. I'm dating him. 
gave him a cassette tape of my father preaching. And they, uh, this gentleman, his name was John, and, and Bishop Malcolm stayed in touch. He was not bishop at the time, but they stayed in touch, and, and uh, uh, John started sending him cassette tapes on a regular basis that he was listening to. Then he reached out to my father and says, hey, what can I do to get you to England? He's like, I need, I want you here. I've, he says, I've been listening to you, following you. And, and, and to date it again, he wrote a handwritten letter to him and mailed it in the mail. It probably went on a, on a rowboat all the way over. <laughs> uh, but sent it, and my father said, well, your pastor has to invite me. Long story short, uh, my father came over, spoke, and... I share this with you because what I'm about to say, I want you to understand the context of what I'm saying. Bishop Malcolm is my brother. He's my brother, though we may be a different color. He is my brother. We, we, are, we come from the same loins. His father in the gospel is my father in the gospel and my biological father. So when I say he's my brother, I mean it in the most real sense that I can. Though he, he is a brother from a different mother, he is yet still my brother. Now, with that being said, my mother has still mothered him. And those of you that know her understand that. Um, so I am honored to be here today and this week to celebrate the life of a dynamic lady. I even got permission from my wife to be gone on Valentine's. However, I'm smart enough we celebrate it beforehand. And this is Valentine's week. And today I'm going to talk to you about relationships. I want to share a few things about myself so that you understand where I'm coming from dealing with relationships. I want you to understand and know that what I share with you today has not come, is not just coming from a preacher that has done some research online and gotten some fancy little things that I put together in a unique way and delivered to you. But what I share with you today comes from a lifelong process and journey of learning and understanding and even of some wisdom. I have a master's in psychology. I have literally, and no exaggeration, been studying psychology since I was 13 years old. Matter of fact, my master's degree was the simplest degree I ever got because I had been studying it for so long. My father had a PhD in psychology and also a PhD in theology. When he was in school for his psychology, I began to read his textbooks when I was about 13, and it fascinated me. I began to read about this because I needed to figure me out. 
I was, I was like, I, why do I think this way? Why do I act this way? Why do I do these things? And I begin to, do, I begin to study psychology in these things because I wanted to understand me. And through that process, I begin to understand the, the psyche of human nature and how we are and how we function and why. And, and I begin to look at these things and read these things. And then, and then with my, my, my background being raised, my father being a pastor, being raised in church, practically born under the pew, and uh, uh, these things, I begin to realize that, oh, wait a minute, all of this psychology stuff is Bible. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us this in Proverbs. It says, as a man thinketh, hold on, I'm going to quote it correctly. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, whenever you hear the word heart or see the word heart in the Bible, you can pretty much take that and replace it with the, with the word emotion. As a man thinketh in his heart, that heart of a man, the heart of a person is the emotional, the, the cognitive thought process. It is not just that, but it is also the subconscious of a man. As a man's subconscious and his emotions are, that is what he becomes. The problem is, is many of us learn things, but we do not emotionally attach to them and they never become a part of our subconscious. So therefore, we live our life knowing something but never doing it. Because we not only have to, that's why Jesus, when Jesus came on the scene, one of the very first things he said is that he, the Bible says he came preaching the kingdom of, or it said the gospel of the kingdom of God. Saying, repent. And the word repent means to change your mind. He says repent and believe the gospel. It's not enough just to know it. You must believe it. It must become a part of your subconscious, a part of your habits. And I share all this stuff with you because I want you to understand what I'm going to share with you today is not coming from just some kind of fancy sermon I've put together. This comes from a lifelong collective of understanding and learning and, and, and developing myself and coming to understand some things. And one of the issues we have in Christendom is that God is relational and people do not understand relationships. The issue is, is that the majority, I, I, I would venture to say the majority of you in here today, before you walked in here, thought you had a grasp on relationships. But I, as a psychologist, and have counseled many, many people through the years, I can tell you, you most likely do not. <laughs> and how do you know that? Because you wouldn't have had problems with that past relationship you would have understood how to, how to maneuver around the nuances of that person. You know who I'm talking about. You would not have been estranged from your family, from your parents, from your children. If you actually understood relationships. You would not struggle in your walk with God. If you actually understood what relationships are. Now, statistically in, in America, then also even here in the UK, relationships and even marriages are, are on a massive decline. And I know many, and I'm friends with many people here in the UK and, and throughout Europe. And I also understand that there are many people that are single 
but desire to be married, but stay single. It's, it's okay. You can be quiet for a minute. That just tells me uh, uh, you're soaking it in. I'm going to go with that one. But today I'm not simply here to make you feel better. But I actually feel that I am on a mandate from our King. From our Heavenly Father. We as kingdom citizens, more more commonly known as Christians, because we are supposed to be like Christ, should be experts in relationships. But statistically, there is no difference from the relationships inside the church and outside of the church. The marriage successful rate inside the church is no different than the marriage successful rate outside of the church. Statistically. How friendships work inside the church and how they work outside of the church, they're the same. The family dynamics of a a churched home and a non-churched home statistically are the same. What this tells me is that there has been a massive disconnect between the teaching, the training, the discipleship, and the understanding of what we have in front of us. And what has been taught and given to us. How many are ready to grow today? How many are ready to repent? (laughs) Repent means to change your mind. See, we come to church and we talk about repentance. People think about you coming down to the altar, falling on your knees. Oh God, forgive me. You know this. No, that's contrition. Repentance is change. Forgiveness is what God does for you. Or let me rephrase. Forgiveness is what God did for you. Repentance is what you do. So when I say, are you ready to repent? means that, are you ready to change? Or am I wasting my time today? I'm probably going to teach more than I am going to preach today, but I I typically say that I'll probably preach. It's a little bit of preaching and teaching mixed together. But before I dive in, I want to address our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, our King, our God, thank you. Thank you for these amazing people in this place today for their life, for their journey, for their understanding, for the things that, that, where they've come from. We thank you, Lord, that you've brought them where they are now. We all come from different walks of life, different places. But we share you, God, in common. So, Lord, I ask that you speak to us today. Open our understanding. Open our, 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 our insight. Help us to grow. Help us to know. But don't just stop there, God. Plant it in our spirit that we don't only just simply have some more knowledge and information, but, God, that we take wisdom and apply what we learn today. 
And for this we thank you. Amen. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to learn something today. Now tell somebody else, you about to learn something today. I want to turn your attention uh, here in just a moment to Genesis 2. But before I get there, the very first thing that God gave us, the very first thing God ever gave to mankind was an image. And our, our dear brother that got up here earlier and he spoke and he, he, he read the scripture. And, and, and in Genesis 1 verse 26, it tells us that God gave man an image. So that we were made in the image of God. So let us make man in our image. Now this word image is not in that you look like God. It's not how you look and, 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 and your, your outlook. But this word image is actually, uh, uh, is the na- it means the nature of. It is the nature. So the first thing that God did is he gave you his nature. And we get our English word, nature, from natural. So God says, I'm going to put into you what is natural for me. He says, the things that I dwell in, that I live in, and, and where, I, where I preside, and what I live, what I do, what is natural and comfortable for me, I'm going to make it to where that is the same thing that should be and is natural for you. But like we are and like man is, we had him sinned. He messed up. And it broke that natural ability. That's why the Bible says, God said, if you sin, you will die. Now, if you give me a moment, I want to kind of expound on a few things. and I'm going to build a platform before I dig into something because for you to truly understand relationships, you need to understand the origin of relationships. Whatever God is natural at, you are supposed to be as well. The Bible tells us that God is love, right? It doesn't just say that God loves. It says He is love. The very nature of who He is is love. That is what he is. And we know and understand the Bible tells us this. It says that when, when, when the, uh, uh, the, the lawyers and the scribes, Pharisees came to challenge him and they said, Hey, what is, the, what, is, what is the greatest law? And he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so he says that love is the greatest commandment. Well, why is love the greatest commandment? Love is the greatest commandment because, David, if, if I love you, I'm, going to, I'm not going to steal from you. Andrew, if I love you, I ain't going to kill you. If I love you, I'm not going to covet what you had, but I'll be happy for what you have. Even if I desire the same thing, I'm going to be happy for you because I love you. If you have more than me, I'm happy for you because I love you. Okay, the love is the greatest commandment, not because it's just, oh, it's great. It's the supreme ethic, because if you love, I don't need all the other commandments. I don't need you shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not. I don't need those if I love. Therefore, love becomes the greatest and is the greatest commandment. Because God is love. 
It's, it's not what he does, it's who he is. That is a natural state of who he is. Now we, in our English language, though my English language may be a little bit different than yours, but in our English language, the language is a descriptive language. Meaning, in order for you to understand what I say, I have to describe it. And I have to dig into it deeper and, and, and explain things in a, in a more deep way. Because I will say something of, man, I love pizza. And then I may say, I love my wife. And then I might say, I love, my, uh, I love God. Though I use the word love for it all, they all have completely different meanings. Right? So we have to understand what love actually is because too many people in our cultures believe that love is an infatuation. Believes that love is a feeling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess some of you up today. Love has nothing to do with your emotion. How many in here are married? How many wake up every single and you don't have to raise your hand? <laughs> Brother, I'm trying to help you out. Just look straight ahead. Don't, don't just. But how many of you here wake up every day feeling like, oh, I'm married? No, you don't. Why? Because emotions change. Emotions are fickle. Regardless of how you feel, you still love. One of the greatest definitions of love I can give you is this, commitment. That means it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter if you aggravated me, made me mad, made me uh, irritated. You, you just, just really got me up. That does not matter. If I love you, I still treat you the same. If I love you, I still act the same. If I love you, I still speak with you to, with respect. If I love you, I'm still respectful and kind. And I, I, it's not about me. Because it's not an emotion. Love is not an emotion. Love is a commitment. And God is love. God has committed himself to a point. And this is why Jesus said this. Greater love has no man than a man that lays down his life for a friend. What he's saying is I am so committed to you that I will die for you. I am so committed to you that I will, wrap, I will take off my, my robe of royalty. And put on humanity. Come to earth. And to be in your presence. To walk with you. Talk with you. Experience the same failures. And the same wants. The same desires. And same heartaches. And same disappointment. And same brokenness as you do. Because I'm committed to you. Because love is not an emotion. Love is a commitment. If you can understand this, that means, see the Bible even in Corinthians tells us that love is kind. It's patient. It's not puffed up, meaning it's not all about you. 
It says in the King James Version, it's long-suffering. See, it wouldn't be long-suffering if it was about emotion. Because emotionally, we want to get out of it. Forget this mess, man. I ain't dealing with this. But God, His nature is relationships. We as Christians need to understand relationships. God's natural at being relational. You need to become natural at being relational. Genesis 2, 7 tells us this. Then the Lord formed, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. He made him from dirt. Okay, matter of fact, the, the name Adam means black dirt. It just comes from the ground. It's what it is. So he formed man from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That means whole, complete. He has the flesh, the dirt, the body, but then he breathed into him, and he has a spirit and a soul. The body is the flesh, the soul is the mind, and the spirit is who you are, and the soul, the mind, the consciousness, the emotional part of it connects the two together, the body and the spirit. Man became complete when God breathed his life. God says, I'm going to put my DNA in you so that you become complete and breathed into man. Now the Lord God planted a garden. What did he do? He planted a garden. Now, I need you to understand this because the word plant does not, it, we think of plantings, we go out to the ground and we dig a little hole, stick a plant in there or seed in there and bury it and we water it every now and then and pray, oh God, let it grow. That's not what this means. It means to establish. He established a garden. It is, it is, it is uh, uh, I can say this and it'll be proper. That we established a church on 1855 Lansing Street in Melbourne, Florida, USA. This is, where, this is the church address. I can say that we, is, we planted a church there. My father in 1980 moved to Melbourne and planted a church. That's a common way of putting it. It didn't mean he grew up in the ground and took a, a, a church seed and stuck it in there and started growing stuff. No, he planted it. Means, what it means is he established a church. This word here is not planting like a garden. Yes, he, he planted a garden, but it's not, it's not meaning that he just simply planted and put a bunch of plants in the ground. It means he established a garden. So God planted a garden in the east, in Eden. Everybody say Eden. Eden. And there he put the man he formed. God put man in the garden that he established. This tells me something. This tells me that man needs the garden. Man needs Eden. And if we, even if we skip down to verse 15, it says the Lord God took the man, he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. 
God put man in the garden to work. You were created to work. I tell people there's a lot of things I may be. Lazy is not one of them. The original plan of God was for you to rule. It was for you to be relational. It was for you to be like Him. That's why the Bible says that God is the King of kings. Why? Because you are a king. So therefore, He is the king of you. And you are a king. So therefore, He is the king of kings. Why? Because you were designed to be like Him. He is a king. You were made in the image or the likeness of God or you have the characteristics of God. So therefore you are a king. So therefore he is the king of kings. And some of you have been walking around like a pulper. Some of you have the mentality of a pulper. Some of you have the mentality of a vagabond. Some of you have the mentality of give me, give me, give me. That is not how a king works. You need to change your thinking. Change your mind. That's why when Jesus first came on the scene, scene in Mark 1, he says, the Bible says that, that, uh, uh, that Jesus came uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. It said when John the Baptist went to prison, that uh, uh, Jesus came on the scene preaching the, the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, repent, change your mind, And believe the gospel. What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. For so many years we have said the gospel is the death, burial, resurrection. That is a part of the gospel. But that is not the gospel. Because every place you see Christ talking about gospel, it says the kingdom of the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. Jesus is everything Jesus talked about was the kingdom. You know, Jesus didn't talk about death, burial, resurrection. He says, I'm going to die, just letting you know. But I'll, I'll be back up. Don't, don't worry. Don't fret. Don't be worried. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to be okay. But I got to do this. Jesus did this for a reason. Why did Jesus come? See, here's the thing. When God breathed into you, into Adam, and man became a living being, had the DNA, had the Spirit of God, and then God said this. He says, if you sin or if you eat of that tree, you will die. Okay? Adam sinned. What is holy cannot be in something unholy. God is holy. Man sinned. God could no longer be there. Now, I'm going to share something just to help this make some more sense to you. In the the Hebrew language, the word Eden... Have you ever seen the Hebrew language written out with the strokes and the, and the tittles and the dots? And a tittle is like that little comma-looking thing. Eden means this. Each one of those little slashes, dots, so on and so forth, actually means something. If you look up the word in, the, in a strong concordance or something of that nature, you look it up and it'll have multiple words there. What it's doing is explaining to you what all those little things are, what this word means. One of those, one of those little squiggly lines and dots or tittles means spot. Another one means moment. 
Another one means presence. Another one means open door. And another one means delightful place. So really, the word Eden is a sentence. It is a spot in a moment where the presence of God dwells because of an open door. And it is, in a, and it is a delightful place. What God did is when he established Eden, he took a piece of heaven and brought it to earth because what God needs to dwell in, man needs to dwell in. And he says, I'm going to bring to you. See, your body doesn't need the spirit of God. This flesh doesn't need it. It needs, it needs this earth. It needs oxygen. It needs, it needs the, the atmosphere of this earth. But you... Need the same atmosphere that God lives in. You need the atmosphere. You need a spot in a moment where the presence of God is because there is an open door. And when you dwell there, it is a pleasant place. But when Adam sinned, he was kicked out of the garden. Because what is holy cannot be in something unholy. So therefore God kicked Adam out. And he lost the presence, the very thing you need to live. So therefore he died. And man was reaching to know God ever since then. And God dealt with men in the Bible. Throughout the scripture it says that God moved upon this man. Moved upon this one. Moved upon this one. And they, they would do miracles. They would do, uh, 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 you got uh, uh, Samson. God would move upon him and he'd have supernatural strength and do things. And, and God would move upon a prophet and he would do things. And it was God moving upon him. But God said, that's not enough. You were designed to live in it. So this is why Jesus came. Jesus came to reconcile. The word reconcile means to make right a relationship. Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the price for you because the Bible says this, and, and actually do this. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, I'm righteous. Because you know what the Bible says? It says that God, that Christ, took your sin and gave you his righteousness. And it says that you are the righteousness of God through Christ. You are righteous. Because of God. Because if you were not righteous, you could not have the Holy Spirit. And then this, you, you know the story after Christ died. He resur resurrects and he's walking among them. And then he comes to where his disciples are holed up because they're scared. And they're closed themselves in a room. And they're there. And Jesus walks through the wall and appears to them. And he shows them his hands and his side. You know the story. But I don't, do you know this? The Bible says this. That Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It was at that time. The reason Jesus came was so that your relationship with God can be made right. So that you can have the Holy Spirit within you and now you can be whole again. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm running out of time and I told you I was going to talk about relationships. 
but I needed you to understand that you were designed for a relationship. So I'm going to rapid fire to you. Are you ready? Everything God has done since the fall of Adam was to restore relationship. Because he is relational. And that's natural for him, and it's supposed to be the same for you. The problem is, is that we, even though we have it all in the Scripture, we have lost and don't understand what relationships are. So first thing I need you to understand about relationships, and every single one of these things that I'm going to tell you, I could spend an entire series teaching in on it. So I don't have time to unpack it all. But the first thing I need you to understand is that you most likely do not understand it. Because how, how, many, how many have uh, uh, friends? How many have, let me ask this, how many have acquaintances? That you would say they're more of an acquaintance, they're not a friend. How many have some people in your life that you're like, ah, I don't really. They're cool, but ah. They just kind of, mm, just. And then you got some people that are really cool in a particular part of, you know, section of life, but in the rest of it, not. So you just kind of leave them alone and hope they don't call you. (laughs) See them in the the marketplace and you're kind of like going the other way. But I would venture also to say that most of you, if not all of you in here, have that friend that you're cool with and everything's fine, but the rest of your friends really don't like. But you're all right with them. So I'm going to give it to you this way. You either accept someone for who they are, or you simply don't accept them at all. So let me unpack that real quick for you. Relationships. You can have multiple friends, but relationship, what a relationship is doing, it is fulfilling a need. From you to them and from them to you. The problem is, is that we have a preconceived idea of what that looks like. You in your mind have an idea of what a best friend looks like. You in your mind have an idea of what a friendship looks like. And when someone does not fit your mold, they're not your friend. You know what? Just from that alone, you have missed out on so much in life. Because someone doesn't have to fit all the niches that require to be a friend in your life. All they have to do, you just have to understand what they provide and what they offer. Accept that from them. And if there's something that's not good, reject that. Set boundaries. They know they can't be that. See that friend that you like that nobody else does? The issue is is that you've set boundaries with them and they understand there are certain things they can and cannot do with you. But they, they go over the boundaries with everybody else. Simply put. So you can have a ton of friends because you can have a friend that you can hang out with, have fun with, be cool with, laugh with, and just, ah, but you can't be serious with them. Because you know the moment you tell them something serious or intimate, they're going to laugh at it and joke about it and probably tell everybody else too. But you know what? That's okay. You just have to know who they are. They can still be your friend. But when you want to have fun, go hang out with them. Just don't, be, just don't tell them intimate stuff. But then you'll have a friend you can be serious with and intimate with. But they may not joke around and laugh and cut up and act silly and stupid. 
so on and so forth in every aspect of life. But here's the thing, is that in every area of life, there are people that can fill that area, but it doesn't mean they need to fill them all. So you say, well, how does this apply to me? Let me put it this way. There are all kinds of people in this place, and there's probably some people in here that don't really like the other person on the other side. But if you are a kingdom citizen, the Bible actually says this. If you come to the altar and you have an altar with your brother or a problem with someone, he says, go make it right then. He says, leave your offering there. Go make it right then. Come back. What he's saying is you got to know what a relationship is. Understand the differences. And don't expect someone to be something they're not. You know what? Thank God they're not like you. We can only handle so many of them. <laughs> All right, I, I, I'm going to move on. Like I said, I can make a series out of every single one of these. Number two, it's not about you. Look at somebody and say, it's not about you. Now tell, tell the same person, it's not about me. See, here the thing is, is, is if it becomes all about you, it becomes only you. You want to know why our societies are so lonely? It's because our society has been taught to look out for uno. To look out for number one. And see, when I'm looking out just for me, nobody's got my back. But if I stop looking out for me, come here. If I'm not, if you know, I, I says, you know, what? I'm not looking out for me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm watching out for you. Do your thing, brother. I got you. But see, I also know he's got my back. See, now we're together. And then, thank you. And then we get other people involved. Now we've got a community of people watching out for each other. See, I'm talking about kingdom culture. The thing is, is that our culture in the world says look out for yourself because nobody else is. Kingdom culture says look out for someone else. I'm not going to read it all, but in, in Ephesians, so you don't have to even pull it up, but Ephesians 5, it tells us, it begins to speak, and it's telling us that, uh, uh, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, verse 5.15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Does this sound any familiar to you? Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which, uh, uh, you know, he says, don't, don't, don't fall into debauchery. There's a fancy old English word, debauchery. How many's ever had, how many struggled with debauchery? What? <laughs> debauchery just simply means this, something you lose control over. And it says, but be filled with the Spirit. You were designed to be full of the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, for the Father in His name of Jesus, 
uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, this sounds great. It's spiritual. Woo, praise God. We're going to sing and make melodies and songs, and we do that, and it sounds great. It's wonderful. But verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submit. There's a word we don't like. Submit. That means it's not about you. The problem with relationships is that we make it all about us. And if it, and if, if it don't work out for us, don't work out for me, then it don't work. If that's your relationship mindset, you're going to fail. Now, I'm going to... Uh, uh, singles, I'm going to share something with you. How many single people we got in here? Okay. <laughs> you know what? There's... Not that many people raised their hands and said they were married. <laughs> Is there like a Newton different definition that I don't know about now? <laughs> You've got like all kinds of different genders now. Not really, but that's a whole other story. We're just... Well, let me, let me share something with with those of you that are not married or looking for the significant other or hoping for the significant other in your life. Stop. Stop looking for the perfect one. Stop looking for the perfect one. And start becoming. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Listen, before you get too excited... Start becoming the one, the one you're looking for, is looking for. Because the problem is, if you find the perfect one, but you have not become that one, they don't want you. So stop looking for the perfect one and start becoming the one, the one you're looking for is looking for. I've done a whole series on that, so I'm just just throwing it out. A major problem with relationships is our expectations. You expect something to be a particular way, then it's not you become frustrated, irritated, aggravated, and you say, forget it. Matter of fact, those of you that, were mar- that are married, w- before you got married, you had desires. You desired a home, desired a car, desired your wife to be a particular way, desired your husband to be a particular way. Desire, you had desires. When you got married and said, I do, those desires became expectations. And now you're frustrated, irritated, aggravated because your expectations are not the same as their expectations and their expectations are not the same as yours and they're expecting something from you that you cannot provide for them. There is a difference between a desire and an expectation. And you get upset because your expectations are not being met. You're frustrated because you have ill-placed expectations. You lose friends because you have ill-placed expectations. You get a divorce because of ill-placed expectations. You get mad and fight with someone because you have ill-placed expectations. See, if I knew ahead of time you were stupid, I wouldn't be mad about it. (laughs) 
I knew going into the relationship that you're going to act that way, then I wouldn't have expected something different. You need to shift what you expect and allow someone to be who they are. Selfishness is the fastest way to kill a relationship. Relationship is 100%, 100%. Equals 100%. It's the only place where math don't make sense. Because 50-50 doesn't equal 100 in a relationship. 50-50 equals 50. If you have 175, it equals 75. Are you following my logic here? A relationship has to be 100%, 100% to have a 100% relationship. You need to understand and learn conflict resolution. I don't have time to get into all this. But when you walk into something or into a conflict, and I know I got, I got to close out. But when you, when you walk into a conflict, the number one rule is to understand. Not to be understood. That means when you walk into that, 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 that issue or you're going to deal with a conflict or deal with something, you walk in there and say, my number one thing I want and I need and I desire is to understand the other person. Whether they understand me or not is irrelevant. I need to understand them. And if you walk in with that, then you will sit there and you will listen. You won't argue with them. You won't fight with them. You're not going to say, well, well, you said this and I think this. and that. No, you're not going to defend yourself. You're, no, because you want to understand. And they say something that doesn't make sense to you. You're going to say, okay, help me understand this for a minute. And then repeat it back to them in your own words. And if they say that, that uh, that's not what I said, say, okay, then please explain to me what you mean. And go back and forth with them that way. Give them the, the freedom to tell you no. Until you can say it back in your own way to them and they say yes. Then you hope and pray that they give you the same grace. But it's not required. And when you go into it, understand that. Don't have the expectation, well, I did this so you have to. Go in with your, your only expectation is on yourself because that's the only thing you can control. Someone acts stupid. Okay, they did. But my expectation is me, not them. Not long ago, somebody got me so mad and riled up and that's not easy to do. If you know me very well, I'm very chill, very even killed. It's hard to get me up, but somebody just, they just push my buttons just the right way, in the right order, and they just, just, and my wife's like, uh-oh, <laughs> and she's like, well, you going to do, I says, no, she said, why, I said, because I refuse to allow someone else's behavior or someone else to change who I am. <laughs> See, my expectation was not on them, my expectation is on me. So therefore, I expect me to be who I am and do not allow someone else to change who I decided to be. I made a choice. This is who I am. This is how I live. This is how I behave. This is how I act. And I will not let someone else change that.
I'm looking at what I have time to say to you. (laughs) Practice gratitude. Relationships that practice gratitude, it is a major indication of which ones will last. And this is what it sounds like. Something goes wrong. A person that's practicing gratitude says, hey, babe, you know, you're, you're awesome and you do so much, but this right here really bothered me. Um, what can we do, you know, to, is it me? Am I feeling, because you're just, you're, you know, you're great, but this just really just got to me. Someone that's not is like, why'd you, you're just an idiot. Do something like that. You, there, there's a different way. Someone that is grateful and has gratitude for someone, they're careful how they speak. Change how you talk. Do you know that everyone in here opened a love bank with everybody you know? Have you ever met somebody that you met them and you're like, I don't like them? First time you met them, he's like, no. They opened an account with you, but it was negative. But there are those that you've met before, and you're like, wow, man, they, it's like, man, we just click. They open an account, and it's positive. For those of you that are married, your love bank must be greater than anyone else's with your spouse. If it is not, you are in trouble. The problem with it, that is, though, is that being married, you are making withdrawals because you're going to do something stupid. You're going to say something. You're going to act a way. You're going to do this, do that. So you must input more, greater things than you ever take. And the thing is, is what you think is a big deposit to your wife probably is not. You think, oh, I bought flowers and I did this. Wow. You're like, man, I just like, I just put like a thousand love credits in. She's like, that was five. <laughs> but she comes home one day and, 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 and you kind of straightened up and cleaned the house and did some dishes. And you're just like, oh, God, you know, not no big deal. And she walks in. And she's like, man, you just put like a million dollars in that account. <laughs> But your account has to stay greater than anyone else's. If you're married, be each other's best friend. Enjoy each other. Communicate. Have fun. Stop being so uptight. And to some of you church folk, and I know we don't have this problem here. Some try to be so super spiritual, you can't relate. Just be real. Keep intimacy alive. Keep romance alive. Here's a major thing, and I'm going to end with this, because I just don't have time to get into so much, because I wanted to deal with relationships and principles and relationships. But when you are dealing in a conflict... And you're, and you're in a relationship, you're married, 
It needs to be the two of you against the problem. Not against each other. Even if he did something stupid or she did something ridiculous, you don't attack them. You attack the problem. You attack the issue. In other words, it's not of, you know, he does something or says something that he shouldn't have. Instead of saying, I can't believe you said that. You, 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 you. No, stop. That person becomes defensive. And they get defensive. And then when they're defensive, you can't communicate with them. But instead, it's like, babe, this happened and this was said and you know, uh, what, what, what did we do? What did I say? What, what happened that caused this? And, and what, you know, what spawned at this statement? And, and what you, do, you deal with the issue together to where each other does not feel attacked. See, I'm talking about relationship because we were designed to have relationship. Designed to be like God. Bishop here, I can do what I want now. <laughs> Is this helping you? Yes. There's so many things. My wife, actually, I told her I was going to speak in relationships. She's like, yeah. She goes, she's like, basically told me, she said, make sure you tell the women that that man doesn't know what you're thinking. Regardless of what, regardless of what you think he should know, trust me, he don't. Just, 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 just know he's probably not that smart. <laughs> he does have not have a clue what you are thinking. You have to be clear with him. Well, he should know. He probably should. He just ain't that bright. <laughs> You have to tell him. Don't assume. Just spell the word out and it tells you everything. Matter of fact, he don't even think like you do. She doesn't think like you do. Let's stand. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him we're better together. I'm going to end with this. There are 59 commandments in the New Testament. Uh, sorry, there are 29 commandments and they're in 59 different places in the New Testament. These are not suggestions. They're commandments. But not one of these commandments can you do on your own. 29 commandments, and you'll know it like this. Love one another. Help one another. Greet one another. Be there for one another. You cannot one another by yourself. Some of us try. You see them walking down the street, talking to themselves. But you cannot one another 
by yourself. These are commandments in the Bible found in the New Testament in 59 different places, 29 commandments that we must have each other to do. But we can't do it if we can't have relationships. I pray today that something I've said has triggered in your spirit to say, hey, I'm going to change this in my life. I'm going to shift this in my life because you are a kingdom citizen. You are supposed to have the culture of the kingdom of God, not the culture of Great Britain. Not the culture the media pushes to you. Not the culture hip-hop preaches to you. Not the culture all this stuff. No, you are supposed to have the kingdom's culture in your life. And proper relationships is one of those. God is calling us to a better relationship. First with Him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Second with each other. People will know you by your love one for another. Some of you wondering why people don't see you as a Christian or a kingdom citizen. You ain't loving right. Your relationships are not right. That's why. Third is with yourself. You need a proper relationship with yourself. Heavenly Father, you've called us to relationship. Matter of fact, you said you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. You've called us to do this. You've called us to be this. Help us to learn and to know and to grow in our relationships because it is through that that we advance kingdom. To put aside our petty differences, to put aside our own expectations, to put aside all these other things, Lord, to do relationships right in your eyes, to know your will. And for this, God, I thank you in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www iCanCommunityChurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.